Welcome to the end of year 2013, contractually obliged to be allowed to uh, record a podcast. This is Deep Play uh, Football Awards. I'm Robert Malloy Vaughan, I'm joined by Joe Kennedy. Hello Robert, happy and, uh, Christmas. Happy Christmas. And happy Christmas to uh, our five faithful listeners, all of whom will be getting mentioned at some point in this programme. We here at this is deep play towers um want to give some, a little something back and so we've got a number of categories um we're going to uh choose uh whatever the award winners um so what's the first on the list i think that we've already given quite a lot back we have yeah yeah like um the for future football slogan yeah yeah Causing a certain, well, potentially causing a certain organisation to change their name a little bit, but we're not going to talk about that because that just makes us sound like dicks, um, which we are. Um, but we have a, a number of categories, but we're probably going to make some more categories up as we go along, and we'd like to to thank people for their nominations. And I'm going to begin with um, our friend Stephen Carver's late nomination, which has literally only just come in. Uh, for journalist of the year, this is this is quite a normal category, isn't it? Yeah, it's not yeah. crazy enough. No, I was quite disappointed. Right. Um, yes, yeah, Steve. I actually recently stopped reading about football, um, particularly well, especially um, news newspaper football articles, um, because um, in some sort of indescribable way, they're making me feel very empty. Mm. Well, there's that, but they've also started to become spectacularly meta, haven't they? Um, that the, I mean, if you look back twelve months, there were the relentless kind of tacticratic articles which we've discussed a fair bit on here. Um, but they have now kind of become aware of the fact that they're turning into self-parody and have started flagging it up. Like the, these articles now reference the fact that they are kind of um, contributing to football hipster culture and ironise that and even criticise it a little bit. Um, so, you know, I, I think I was uh, reading a Barney Rone article on, um, you yeah, know, that guy, Philip Lahm, you know, Philip Lahm, the hipsters footballer of the year. Who's Philip Lahm? <laughs> Who is Philip Lahm? Answers on a postcard. Does he play for uh, Wheelstone? Or really? Carshalton? Or Bayern Munich? Was one of those teams, but you have to guess I'm guessing which one. the fact he was written about suggests that it was Bayern Munich. It's just it's Glenn Little's secret name. <laughs> it's his code name. When he plays with Bayern Munich, um, yeah, he plays with Bayern Munich, and, and he has been, I suppose, one of the players who has been most revered by the people who are very into football tactics and players who play in the special positions, uh, even though he's a fullback this year. But the Barney Rone It's a special position attacking fullback. Attacking fullback, yeah, because that's definitely never happened before with like the likes of Stigging Bjornaby and uh, Dennis Irwin and so on, Carvin Morath Gibbs, 
but it was very very self-referential as an article and um, this is perhaps a consequence of the absolute saturation um, of, of football writing at the moment there is so much football writing out there and, and I realised that by writing a book about football which is actually kind of progressing to some extent I'm contributing to this but um, yeah there has been a hell of a lot of it this year more than ever I think um, and I'm trying to think who my favourite football journalist is if indeed I, I have any I feel like we should um, we should try and make up to Jonathan Wilson a little bit Jonathan Wilson is a very uh, readable journalist mm. um, with a deep understanding of football yeah a, a, a deep, an understanding of football that is uh, titanic compared to um, the likes of that Tory voting guy um, Zernal Marking <laughs> who, who remains the sort of most lobotomised member of the football family well he's definitely not winning it Zernal Marking's not winning it so maybe as, as a sort of you know I, I'm, I'm using my nose to roll the meatball across the plate here <laughs> as, a, as a peace offering to you Jonathan um, not least after I uh, upset your uh, your disciples by including you amongst the enemies of football um, you're not really an, an enemy of football no. Jonathan if you're, if you're listening listening to this and <laughs> when well, we know you are listening <laughs> we'll sure, sure. sure you're listening to this like on repeat this is <laughs> the fifth time you've listened to it um, yeah John, Jonathan Wilson he, he can win it yeah. um, uh, and Jonathan Wilson's a better writer than David Conn and David Conn's got this kind of like I don't know like Tony Ben like quality that you know deep reassurance yeah deep social democratic reassurance yeah, yeah. Um, should we give it to Wilson then Con in, in on a more serious note I, I think that Con's ongoing work with, with Hillsborough would for me um, identify him as, as the British football journalist of the year um, Wilson's work I think is continues to kind of hit a, a particular standard because he doesn't only write about tactics and I like his uh, his versatility, I like the way that he can write about tactics and formations and Bielsa and Klopp and so on and then turn to writing a history of Sunderland um, so he's he's definitely up there, what about on the internet, what about people we know? Well there was, there was one young uh, young man who um, got published in The Independent mere days after appearing on our... Are we giving him all of the awards? <laughs> uh, Harry Stopes, who wrote about the um, the probable misuse of banning orders by the um, police. Uh, he spoke about it on our, on our show and then, coincidentally, wrote about it in The Independent not long after. Stopesian has become an, an adjective um, for this is deep play which means something like empirically sound and actually research as opposed to things we made up in the attic or the bowels of the housing crisis um, okay should we give it to Harry um, he bought me a pint last time I saw him I am a pint All right. All right. <laughs> Harry Stokes wins journalist of the year Harry Stokes well done Harry you're journalist of the year okay the next category oh, should we go on to the one that, that um, Harry suggested yeah. Not not that we're in any way nepotistic. Harry wanted us to do um, handsomest striker of the year. Yeah. It has to be a striker apparently. Um, and he said it was Sergio Aguero. 
Yeah. There's a, a little Argentinian player who plays for Manchester City. Thanks for thanks for letting me know. Um, <laughs> you probably got impressed off. I didn't know who that guy was. Um, <laughs> who Glenn Little? <laughs> um, no, I'd actually never heard of Glenn Little until he uh, scored that goal. I saw him play for Burnley once against uh, against Norwich City. Um, How cool of mine. So um, my wife would would uh, no doubt nominate um, Danny Carr, Huddersfield young Huddersfield striker, formerly of Dulwich Hamlet, um, who she got indecently excited about when she saw him topless after we won the league in April um, and considering they've got like a nine year age gap and you know he's a, he's a teenager it was all a bit unsound um, he also is the footballer as far as I know who is most connected to Downton Abbey because his brother will be starring in Downton Abbey this Christmas that is a versatile family yeah. uh, that's an exclusive no Showbiz Goss. All right. No, it's not exclusive at all. I mean, okay. He's been in Downton Abbey for about six months. I think. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, I would like to put forward um, Harry Ottaway. Harry, uh, Harry Ottaway, Dulwich Hamlet's currently injured number nine, uh, who looks like um, Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman, mm-hmm. um, and is as deadly in front of goal. <laughs> I don't know if we go to a lot of Dulwich Channel players I'd like to, to nominate Ian Daly um, but he's not a striker so he's not a striker he's, he's, a striker. he's, he's an austerity strikerless <laughs> striker um, um, but there's a difference between someone being handsome and someone doing delicate beautiful things with a football there are blurred lines as that man would say that man with the video that man with the video and the controversy yeah um, what was his name Harry Christian um, Chris <laughs> um, this is the in jokes episode um, any any other handsome strikers well, does like a footballer cease to be a striker when they've retired could you could I like say like Thierry Henry I don't think he's retired is he still playing I think so yeah oh in America or one of those countries where players go and they, they need a rest from actually football in any serious kind of way. Sorry, Americans. Um, yeah, come over and watch some real football in the fucking Isfahan. Robert, Robert is is really grouchy about football tonight because we we have to go to the match in a bit and it's raining. I am a soft southern bastard. <laughs> I've got to go and work a night shift as well in in soaked pants. Um, Thierry Henry is very very handsome, but I think he. If this is deep play had existed before, he would have won. Um, what about that 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 one? That one, <laughs> you know, the one who played for um, uh, Atletico Madrid and now plays for Monaco. Who like Falcao? Yeah, who yeah. got the hair and stuff. Yeah. He's got a certain rugged charm. Does he? Does he? I don't know. He's. I, I have a sick. I have a. He looks like a computer game character to me. Yeah. Well, maybe that's yeah. what people want. In this day and age, How, what about the um, the recent editing I've been doing on Pro Evolution Soccer, where I've given a, a player a mutant fly eye and bits of green skin? Right. Have you put yourself in there? Yes. Is there a handsomeness there? <laughs> Have you put me in? I there? put myself in midfield. Well, no, because I, I made all these players up like when I was a teenager. All right. Okay. You made yourself up when you were a teenager. <laughs> I made my. Yeah. It's, it's this kind of fantastical version of me where I have the ability to trap a ball. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so so we could carry on the Harry theme and give it to Harry Otway. I thought you were going to say give it to Harry Stokes. Um, <laughs> Harry Stokes is good looking. I'm not sure what his favourite position on the football pitch is. Probably a striker. Mm. No, uh, Harry Otway. I, I think uh, Harry Otway. Yeah. Uh, Stokes was on strike from his academic work recently. He was. So was I though. It was a strike. I also Stokes was. is slightly better looking than you. You cannot <laughs> say that. That is. <laughs> I've got no union representation at work. No, no, no. You're changing the no subject after you said that. Stokes is better looking than me. Stokes is a better journalist <laughs> than me. Stokes is a better gentrifier than me. He's a better fixed capital football advancement. Uh, he is more likely to be a cyborg than you. Let's, let's face it. This is true. Um, so, Harry Stokes, <laughs> the winner of the most handsome striker. Uh, I think maybe, maybe we should go for Danny Carr because, like, my wife did get fizzy about him. <laughs> She, like, right. Yeah. I, like, I it, think we don't need to hear that much more of this story. Okay, let's give it. Let's give it to uh, formerly former Dulwich Hamlet striker, currently on loan at Fleetwood Town, owned by Huddersfield. Let's give it to Danny Carr. Well done, Danny. You're the oh. handsomest striker of the year, and your brother's in Downton Abbey. That means that we can't do the award for most Downton Abbey connected footballer because we said that people can't win more than one award. Have we said that? I was just trying. To Given was a Harry, but um, <laughs> um, uh, it's like Alice in Wonderland. The rules are constantly morphing. All right. Yeah. Okay. Can, right. Can I have Michael Moorcock as best football journalist? Uh, we've already given that <laughs> to, to Harry Stokes. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, best. Best book called the called the Outsider ever. Written by Tom Gil Wilson. Yeah. yeah. And the award goes to Colin Wilson. <laughs> Um, or Phil Wilson if he writes hypothetically if Phil Wilson Wilson, the Dutch Hanuk Dogiver hypothetically wrote a book called The Outsider it would be the best book called The Outsider by somebody called Wilson of all time one for next year one for next year let's see we predict the future Um, okay right the next award written down in my appropriately pink and blue notebook um is fixed capital football advancement of the year? Is it Hawkeye? Um, Hawkeye, like fixed capital, is the opposite of variable capital in in uh, in Marxism, and variable capital is human labour, uh, where workers can agitate for even this, just simply need uh, higher wages. Um, whereas variable capital is something that doesn't change and a perfect example of this is like a, a sort of sewing machine or a, a automate a, a, anything that uh, sort of automates the production process um, Hawkeye could be seen as fixed capital the goal and technology because it replaces a human responsibility mm. um, but it hasn't actually replaced those human jobs though has it so no no not as yet um, so I mean maybe but you know that's Hawkeye's kind of less sexy than the things I'm thinking about I'm thinking about actual footballers being replaced by right, robots okay. um, and every year you have the um, the world robotic football championships mm. uh, advancements every year um, but what I'm interested in because I've always sort of lazily meant to get around to doing this and never have to make a sort of mockumentary about uh, 
some sort of advancement in, ro ro in robot football. Um, uh, by the way, the robot football community uh, aims to win the World Cup by um, to no to beat the World Cup winners in the year twenty fifty. Um, that's their challenge. Um, of course, if that level of sophisticated automation to be reached well before then, you'd probably have collapse of the capitalist system because of the uh, collapse of um, the labour market as as far less sophisticated uh, autonomous machinery replaces virtually every job. But do you, you want to? I was just going to say, is Moore's law actually actually proven? Or is it a hypothesis? I think it's roughly proven. Right, okay. Moore's Is it not Moore's law? Well, it depends where you're from, oh, isn't I, it? Okay, um, but... Um, Sorry, Moore's law. Right, Moore's yeah. Law. I've got this idea of making a mockumentary about uh, robot football, and I always plan to steal the videos of a company called uh, Boston Dynamics. I think that's the name. It's so it's horribly like Cyberdyne systems yeah, yeah. to me. It's um, and they've got some great videos of like you know a pair of legs without a torso sprinting, uh, a dog that climb up mountains, uh, or, or robots, and um, <laughs> and uh, but uh, a few days ago, mm. they became the eighth robotics company bought by Google in in like the past year. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Google is obviously branching out into uh, this sort of physical automation. Uh, they've also got sort of self-driving cars, mm -hmm. which are yeah. very, very uh, advanced. And so there seems to be a sort of uh, a real movement of um, capital investment into um, the robotics industry by uh, you know one of the world's largest companies. So um, I'm going to suggest. Google's recent purchases of robotics companies as a as a counter argument to Hawkeye winning the uh, fixed capital football advancement award. Is that because you think that Google are investment savvy to the point at which they see something, you know, they they see some kind of leap forward happening soon? Yeah, I mean, Google's um, investments are divided into the realistic and the less realistic, and this it's all, this remains on the less realistic sort of blue sky thinking, um, uh, gambling side of their investments. But um, yeah, I mean, they do, and like um, the in in the robotics engineering um, community, um, the Robot World Cup is one of the major sort of events and. Is that true? Meeting places, yeah. This is, is, is it seen it, as a kind it, of it's not mark for where yeah. robotics is at. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's not like I mean, it's not like some sort of bunch of war gamers, like geeks, sort of making something in it. No, it's not robot wars, is it? No, it, it's not robot wars. It's um, it's universities, university departments, uh, working on things for for years and then mm. uh, presenting them and um, sh sharing ideas at the events. So it's um. Yeah, so like Google's involvement in this means there will be some involvement in ro in the robot World Cup. Right. Okay. Okay. Almost undoubtedly. Mm. So I'm suggesting that instead of whole guy. Yeah, I, th I think that's a better. Better. So uh, Google wins the um, fixed capital football advancement award. I don't really feel like clapping Google. Like. No. How about we just do a turn at a drum beat instead? 
can't remember what the, the big drone is. I can't remember what the HK. The Hunter Killer. Oh, look. No. Oh. Anyway. Anyway, um, we're turning uh, worryingly into some naughty's <laughs> approximation of uh, Buddy Hill and Skinner's fantasy football. So. Oh, look, it's Dave Besant. Phoenix from the Flames. Um, uh, we're fly positively flying through these awards, Robert. Um, I believe that we now have Gentrifier of the Year in a footballing context. Yep. So uh, bold tendencies, unlucky. Um, Peck Peckham joke. Just you wait until they uh, sponsor Dollar Challenge kit. Um, uh, oh, um, Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, it, well, we, we decided working, already that working, working in tandem with Harangay Council. Thanks to our uh, <laughs> research, more, more excellent empirical research from somebody trustworthy, uh, our, our friend and one-time collaborator Mark Panton, um, who we'd like to say thank you to for coming on on the program on the on the podcast this year. Um, we would point our finger squarely at, at Tottenham Hotspurs for this. Can we explain why quickly? Can you, you, you are better at this than me. Uh, because they are working with Hangar Council um, to like, insist on the removal of uh, large amounts of social housing um, for reasons as tenuous as not blocking the, the view on the walkway towards the new uh, uh, White Hart Lane that they're going they're going to build. Um, it's, uh, I mean, e even a fair number of Tottenham fans are, are deeply embarrassed by by what they're doing, and it makes Arsenal's Emirates development, which was far from perfect, but it makes it look uh, <laughs> yeah almost utopian in comparison. Yeah, they're uh, riveting out of the uh, sort of. X number of social commitments you're meant to have to sort yeah. of improve infrastructure and uh, schools, etc. Um, but when you build new homes, they're just yeah. I mean, you know, I, I suppose there's an honourable mention for Liverpool's tinning up, tinning up of was, uh, was that as well of properties uh, around Liverpool to uh, around Anfield to. Um, Enable them to then sort of go to the council and say, "Look, look how ru look how ruined and dead the local area is. Of course, we should compulsory purchase the few remaining houses and lock it down and expand the cop." Um, but yeah, Tom, take the biscuit because they're in the sort of this sort of proper fourth wave of of gentrification where it's state and uh, property developer working in tandem to produce a sort of mass-produced uh, gentrification yeah yeah okay so uh well no applause there for, for tottenham we record this the day after uh, tottenham reverted to to type by sacking their manager of course which is i assume that's something the the tactics bloggers will be or the tactics podcasters will be talking about today oh, perhaps it, perhaps uh avb uh revealed himself to be a radical urbanist that's why they got rid of him <laughs> Okay, I'm really excited now. The next award is for. I'm mindlessly excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. 
Go on. Is for and our friend Mishy, who thinks we are. What does he think we are? Twitterati snobs. Yeah, something like that. Um, Nuvos, Nuvos. Uh, he said we should do an award for North Korean style podcast of the year, which I think is. I'm I'm slightly confused by why North Korean. Well, your average um, podcast episode is about the same length as your average musical album. Mm. So can we count? <laughs> this is Rofi as fuck. Can we count <laughs> musical albums as podcasts? In which case, Morrissey's Kill Uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realise that Morrissey had recorded an album this year called Kill Uncle. No, no, it was like nearly nineties. Oh, right, I see. Oh, so that wasn't of this year, was it? It wasn't a football oh. podcast. And it wasn't this year. Fucking yeah. hell. I feel sorry for that guy. I don't, well. He apparently prefers someone's black-faced in, um, in his library. He's a terrible racist old man. Who, Morris? I thought Morris you were still did. talking about um, Kim Jong-un's uncle. <laughs> Didn't realise he had a lot of biography out as well. Um, <laughs> which he reveals he's a racist and everyone's like, yeah, fuck you, you deserve to die. Um, anyway. As soon as Morrissey was racist, like, oh, I sobbed myself to fucking sleep listening to I Know It's Over when I was 15, so he's allowed to be a it fucking racist. Have you read Morrissey's autobiography? No. Are you, no. Not, are you not going to? Uh, I'm building up to it by rereading Michael Moorcock's fantasy. Yeah, what is this Michael Moorcock thing? Michael Moorcock seems to be being crowbarred in here. Yeah. He's, yeah, I'm just rereading some fantasy. Got a bit sick of reading stuff about football, how, football and yeah, housing problems and stuff. And football is, in truth, um, as depressing as the housing crisis. My, my girlfriend pointed to a copy of Soconomics on a, a shelf in um, Waterstones the other day and said have you read that and I said no this is deep play we divvy up the reading and Robert does all of the stuff to do with economics all the empirical stuff and I never want to read it um, it's, it's, um, it's it's the most intelligent argument I've seen for modern football um, mm. so it's worth reading uh, I suppose to uh, challenge one's perceptions but I mean it's, it's econometrics rather than economics as a I assume there is a subtle difference. Uh, it's one I will look up at some point. But North Korean style podcast of the year. Well, but since we don't actually listen to any <laughs> podcasts except ourselves, which our is own. why we don't know how to make one, and we do things like recording it in the pub. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess by default, this is deep play. Those guys, those wankers. Yeah, I'm cool getting both. Well done. This is Deep Play, you have won North Korean style podcast of the year. Well done! Yay! Okay, right, the next one is a, uh, a category suggested by our, our friend Luke Healy, um, a member of the Human Football Resistance Northwest branch, um, who is writing a very interesting looking PhD thesis on uh, football and visual culture. Um, and initially he suggested football gif of the year but I, I haven't because gifs what he's, he's concentrating on uh, it, his current chapter is on is on gifs but he had that other um, chapter which I've read some of on the diving photograph I think or the injury photograph was it 
uh, sorry Luke for misrepresenting your, your research possibly there but football's contribution to visual culture in 2013 I don't have an, an obvious answer for this and so it's a broad ranging uh, subject list um, obviously um, I, my <laughs> My temptations suggest my own uh, Dolly Chamber posters. Mm. I'm not allowed to do that apparently. Um, but uh, yeah, Google Dolly Chamber picture gallery and, and have a look at how wonderful they are. Um, but <clears throat> okay, so football and visual culture. Uh, what springs to mind? First thing that springs to my mind is FIFA's bizarre rule about in the World Cup teams will have to have. One light kit and one dark kit. Is that is that Which the rule? Is like, right. Yeah, like so, like Argentina not able to have their their dark blue. Shorts. Oh, this thing about color blocking. And uh, Spain are gonna have to wear all red, but apparently, like Adidas are paying are, are paying attention to it, and Nike aren't or <coughs> something. But don't England? England can play in all white, but that won't be the first time they've done that in a World Cup. Right? No, will they? They. 1966 they played in all white didn't they yeah. but I thought the current England kit had dark shorts they'll probably release a new one in the spring right? what's the uh, rationale behind that That's, uh, to make it it's to solve a, a problem I've never heard mentioned Foot, uh, referees getting confused when there's a tangle of lusty bodies <laughs> <laughs> and someone kicks the ball and to ascertain whether it's offside or something it, no. It strikes me as bizarre. Uh, there's a good, is his name David Goldblatt? Um, mm. uh, YouTube video, which maybe I should link. I always claim I'm going to link things when I post stuff and I never do. Um, talking about how sad, how sad, and what a missed opportunity it is that uh, bodies like FIFA and the IOC have so much potential and could demand so much when they. Uh, award host status for the World Cup and the Olympics mm. I mean you know when you give the Olympics somewhere you could demand a hundred thousand free homes for the homeless couldn't you yeah but instead yeah. They, they just work within the uh, neoliberal paradigm um, and these are like the IOC and FIFA are probably the only two bodies who could exact any sort of change in, in a sense but but their makeup is so uh, unradical, so conservative that it they just wouldn't do it. Um, I suppose the the counter argument to this is that um, countries would just not put themselves forward for wouldn't um, they though? showcase events if the demand was that their political systems well, were. It's not. I mean, it wouldn't even be a, a demand for for a political system. It would just be um, a sort of brief period of exceptionalism, which is what you get anyway when you host the Olympics, mm. um, as we saw uh, in in Essex, sort of London uh, <laughs> last year. Um, but guy, right, we're talking about visual culture here. Mm. So, but we've we've gone off on the, uh, the sort of politics and mega mega events. Um, fo- football's contribution to visual culture. So we're, we're suggesting FIFA's colour blocking rule at the moment, um, which seems to me pointless and, and... A bizarre desire for uniformity when it's not causing a problem. Mm, yeah. Um, which is, there's a kind of weird modernist uh, aesthetic to that, I suppose. Um, mm. And I've seen teams 
coming out looking like Mark Rothko paintings at the moment. Um, I'd like to be the team who uh, who play all in grey. Um, well, well, we could have that one. I'm seeing as I'm I'm singularly or feeling singularly ill-equipped to advance another one. I keep on thinking Dimitar Berbatov's drawings, um, but that would seem to be the soccer AM answer to to this Does question. Do drawings? Yeah, this is hobby. Oh really? Yeah, I'm sure I could uh, put put a Dimitar Berbatov drawing up on the screen right now. Here we go, look, technology in action. Well, okay, we're currently looking at a picture Dimitar Berbatov drew of The Godfather. Um, so I, I couldn't do that. No, I'm sort of... Um, I'm worse at it's drawing. It's a good caricature. I suppose so, yeah. It is a bit like the things that you might get drawn if you were walking over Westminster Bridge and you chose to stop for a moment. <laughs> is that what he's actually doing in between trains? So maybe, maybe on Putney Bridge. Uh, that's a picture of the Queen. I, I, I really want to think. Wow, that's um, that is that's going towards photorealism. Isn't this it? is we're now looking bizarrely at painting by Dimitar Berbatov of the Queen. Well, it's allegedly by Dimitar Berbatov. I hope that one of Tupac is. No, it's not. <laughs> but it would be good if it was. Anyway, we we now know that Dimitar Berbatov can paint the Queen. Very well. Better, better than what that. I feel like I'm in the uncanny valley looking at that. It's, it, it's sort of the Queen and not the Queen at the same time. Anyway, th this is now my. It's like the Queen on the on the cusp of her face, like hatching out into the reptile. <laughs> I'm I'm nominating Dimitar Bovtos painting of the Queen now. Okay, yeah. So it's e either that or. Sorry, sorry, Luke. We really are misrepresenting your research now. Um, oh, soccer, yeah. We hope that this doesn't come up at your PhD either. Um, it won't. Trust me. They're they're, they're easier than they sound. Um, okay. So two two nominations. Which one is it? You can choose. Robert has has started to pull that face he pulls when he loses the will to live. <laughs> Always happens. But I was just kind of, I was kind of. I was kind of hoping, because I've still got this childish, you know, desire for to work football out in my head and for it to actually make something and mean something. I just hoped it would have something a bit more than FIFA being bizarrely anal about uh, this cover of shorts mm. and uh, Dimitar Berbatov's <laughs> like just below par photorealistic painting of the Queen. What I, what I like about um, footballers having hobbies which aren't only racehorses and that kind of thing is, is that it's a bit like when you see your teacher in the street when you're at school and you realise that they go to the shops and stuff. Yeah, I think that is a... But it's still not really... It's nice, it's nice to, to, that he's uh, more, <laughs> more rounded than... Um, I don't know. Than me, for example, us. Um, uh, okay, um, another another idea for this. No, I, I, no, let's give it to Dimitar. Well done, well done, Dimitar. Yeah. He's had a tough, tough time of it recently. He deserves deserves something. Okay, the next category is non-league wonder goal of the year. 
Why are we so obsessed with goals? Yeah. Non-league wonder tackle of the year. Non-league wonder throw in of the year. Dialectic the Strang Cobra Morph. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because that didn't lead to a goal. Did it didn't it? lead to a goal, but it didn't matter. Um, maybe I'll post a video because words simply won't do it justice. Um, I thought we were putting this in as a way of uh, of pricking the the vanity of Wheelstone fans after that thing. They deflected lob over Goggy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, non-league wonder goal of the year is according to people who uh, whose engagement with non-league football comes Involves in the form of looking things. at the Daily Mail website. Yeah, would go to uh, Wheelstone's Glenn Little, who who beat several apparently sleeping Dulwich Hamlet players to run the length of the pitch and, and chip the um, also apparently sleeping Phil Wilson a couple of weeks ago. But I don't want to give it to that because I don't think it was a wonder. I doubt. I doubt. I mean, I doubt it's Wheelstone's best goal of the season even. You know, um, it was a bit shit. <laughs> um, you, I, I, you can have goals which are, and also you can have goals which are technically impressive, but aren't necessarily beautiful. Yeah, yes, like um, like that David Beckham goal from the halfway line, and goals of that ill. This is true. I mean, right, they're, they're technically amazing because, mm-hmm. like, most of us wouldn't be able to kick it half that distance, never mind accurately, uh, never mind spotting a goalkeeper off the line, but. It, it it strikes me as really sort of functional, yeah, and not like a. There's no superflu superfluity in it, and the superfluity is kind of what makes no. the beauty. The, the and unnecessary also like you've got the whole fan viewpoint aspect of like timing being important and stuff. And mm. um, I mean, an obvious contender is Hanos uh, Tumas. Um, Chipped goal against Hemel Hempstead in the FA Cup, which you can see a very bad version of if you if you search for it on the internet for long enough. And uh, in terms of moments, you know, subjective reasons to like love Dolich's second goal um, against Herne Bay, the free kick, yeah, also by Herne, um, which was actually a very good goal. But the timing, it, it seemed to sort of punctuate the end of a, a song, and it re- kind of realised we were probably going to win the title. Mm. Um, though I mean we didn't endeavour to try and fuck it up anyway but um, and that was a real explosion of unbeatable joy you kissed me did I? yeah you did um, and yeah so I, I'm not interested in these I'm more interested in technically amazing ways of beating players and then not scoring than I am in, te- in, in technically amazing goals. Okay, so are we going to give non-league wonder goal of the year to a moment that wasn't actually a goal? Yeah, Ian Daly's dialectic Ian, Ian destroying Daly, Cobra Morph. Ian Daly's dialectic destroying Cobra Morph um, against Enfield away a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you can look this up on the internet. You'll find Robert's video. Um, Robert's uh, situationist video also featuring Diana Ross um, and the snake yep. and, and um, some sort of mammal uh, I think it was other, than, other than humans a meerkat or whatever it, was. it looked like a meerkat but it wasn't it was one of those things oh it's a prairie dog I think was it? I can't remember the other name okay so so uh, well done well done Ian well done Ian Daly you see some of Ian, Ian's actual goals if you type Ian Daly into, into YouTube and you see all the actual goals he scored for slightly more notable teams than Dulwich Hamlet um, so um, okay, they were, they were, Ian just deserved an award 
and he has one. Okay, imaginary team of the year. Now, I'm not telling you about any of my imaginary teams because they are my secret. Um, what? Yeah, she leaves the field open. Really, A month ago, this would have been an easier, easier war for me mm. um, because since my teenage years, when I uh, as as one does developed to a fantasy world I, I needed some football teams to go in there and uh, my favourite was always um, South Lippolon United nothing at all to do with South London and um, who play in a sort of wine purple and uh, dark emerald green and genuinely fab- fabulous and uh, but recently I got my hands on a PlayStation and a copy of Pro Evolution Soccer, and as, as I used to, I, I'd edit the teams into into sort of virtual existence on them. But this time around, now that I'm actually you know actually going to football, it's you know the magic's not quite there. So yeah, I'm having a crisis of faith in imaginary teams. I see. And also, also, uh, this is interesting. He says, and in, in thinking this is probably the most indulgent thing ever, but. Um, South Liverpool United who play in this huge sort of reclaimed um, coliseum that was once used by by uh, bipedal crocodiles mm. um, he's going to mention Michael Moorcock in a minute that <laughs> um, like ac- across from a small strip of haunted forest there was their, their local rivals who played in a tiny sort of falling apart stadium uh, called Werridan Sanctuary now when I was a teenager I obviously had some kind of like, you know, the big teams deserve to shit on the small teams. But now when I've been making these teams, I've been realising how sympathetic I am now to the underdog, to the Werridan Sanctuary mm. and their crappy kit and everything. Right. And I was like, and yeah, so that's a sort of, so yeah, fuck it, Werridan Sanctuary, imagine the team okay, how, how do we pronounce that? Werridan. Werridan. Sanctuary. Look, it sounds like a kind of animal park in Australia. Maybe, maybe it does. Okay, excellent. All right, Werridan. Werridan Sanctuary. Werridan Sanctuary. Take a imaginary bow. Yay! After imaginary teams, we have dead teams. Dead club of the year. Um, nominees. Nonhead. Nonhead. Middlesbrough, Anopolis, Gothic, from who played in Norwich. Um, Oh, they should play each other, shouldn't And like the supporters' direct shield, but the ghosts. Ooh. The Undertaker's direct shield. <laughs> um, Dead Club of the Year, we're going to give it to Nunhead. Yeah, we'll give it to Nunhead since we're virtually in Nunhead. Mm. And we have got a sort of a foggy notions of having a day of the Nunhead uh, yeah. march to a Dulwich game. We could do it on Easter. We should, we should only do it in the spring when I'm not going to melt in rain. <laughs> we could put, all push massive boulders yeah. down the road all the way from uh, Nunhead Cemetery to Champion Hill. A blue cross would be easier to make than a blue coffin. All right, yeah. All right. Okay, uh, well done. Well done, Nunhead. Well done, Nunhead. Yeah. Ooh. <clears throat> Any more before we do the... Is that it? Player of the year. Player of the year. Player of the year. Player right. of yeah, the player year. Of the year. Yeah, no. It's a big one. It's really hard, isn't it? Because there's been so many good players. Luis Suarez has turned up in expectation, We've but given, I think he's going to be disappointed. We've given so much attention to other good players this year, haven't we? So, you know, it's a really hard fought. 
field this one we could yeah Suarez all these players we've mentioned yeah. uh, the, the Bayern Munich one oh, yeah. have we actually talked about any footballers really in the whole course of doing this apart from one I don't know was, I mean as a case well what if Gaza moved to Manchester United oh, yeah, there was that wasn't there <laughs> yeah right Gaza probably is a winning player of the year um, there is um, no it's gone okay so are we ready to eulogise yeah okay so player of the year is a, a Turkish attacking midfielder of not much more than you know, stands not much higher than five feet in his socks um, a player who has brought me to the verge of tears on a number of occasions a player who I have annoyed in bars after games um, come on um, he's um, a player who truly seems irreplaceable and we're really really the, the shadow over our football fandom is that that day is going to come um, because if it wasn't for his his small stature he would undoubtedly be playing league football uh, he's the man who galvanised Dalek Hamlet um, and us the supporters uh, from being a non-league team making up the numbers to something more exciting more profound he um, is every time he gets kicked he, he jumps up again he bounces up he's like a Duracell rabbit he keeps going he keeps going but he's capable of moments of delicacy and precision and beauty and passion uh, he's um, I say he's the he, he, he's like the only person in my adulthood to make me feel like a child watching football mm. but I mean I, I, I think he yeah, actually being there it, it's beyond that He's the player who I have been most excited about paying my money to go and see since I used to go and watch Robbie Blake play for Darlington in the in the mid nineteen nineties, um, and and there were points last season when I when the choice was go to the football or don't go to the football and it was always I'm going to go to the football because I want to see this player play. Um, He's the player most likely to be um, one of the. Uh, Forms of Michael Moorcock's uh, eternal champion, <laughs> the balancer of law and chaos, the uh, lost soul uh, fighting valiantly through the ages, through the dimensions. He is. He is. Are we going to say it the right way? Uh, well, you can hear some sort of bizarre English approximation of how to pronounce his name. But you, go on, go on. He is the Ohan. Oz Tumer. See, if you are if you are listening, if which you are you're almost city. certainly not, um, we've done our best to uh, to try and get the Turkish pronunciation correct in this case. As pronounced in the uh, the local South London dialect, Erhan Oz Tumer. Erhan Oz Tumer of, of Dulwich Hamlet, uh, player of the year, hands down. If you have not seen the Sky play or watched the Sky player, really get down at Champion Hill or at least look up some stuff he's done because yeah. he's a absolutely fantastic You really are player. missing out and um, don't wait until he's like I don't know coming on as a as a desperate last five minute sub for Plymouth Argyle or whatever you know like watch him run the show watch him humiliate these roller over type opponents um, you know virtually week in week out and, and there we have it Erhan you are our player of the year um, 
Okay, so that is uh, that is more or less it from um, from this is the play for 2013. Uh, we would like who would you like to say thank you to? Should we quickly roll off people who we believe have uh, contributed yeah. to Martin Cloak? Who mentioned us? Martin, Martin Cloak, probably undeservedly in New Statesman article on the mm. website. Um, Harry Stokes, Harry Stokes, who's got an award there. Um, other guests: Mark Panton, uh, Alex Neven, Alex Neven. Uh, X eight nine three. X eight nine three. Yeah. Uh, other other kind of um, people who've who've given us ideas and, and feedback. I suppose in the D Mali, uh, Carl Whitney, Luke Healy, Herbie Hindley, Steve Carver, Steve Carver. In a way, is the kind of the third member. Yes, he is. He is never the, is. Yeah. Uh, Invisible Steve. Um, Mishima Raff's uh, constructive criticism <laughs> Christian Burt um, others uh, Michael for holding up a, a, a grim mirror to our, to our football fan selves uh, uh, I'm sure we have, have had a Copology Copology, Copology very, yeah. very much so Copology really um, Topology for someone who 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 loves a big Premier League team and does like his tactics. You know, Topology is an absolute great guy, and, and we won't be putting him against the wall <laughs> come the uh, football revolution. Mm. Um, and he gets an enormous amount of shit for for being decent person on Twitter and calling racists and and the like to account. And uh, you know those people are complete idiots, and they can fuck off. They will be first against the wall. Um, as other people were probably uh, leaving out. Um, but you know, well, that's, that says its own story. If we've forgotten you, we need to go and watch Dulwich Hamlet lose to the increasingly uh, efficient, excellent league club, Maidstone United. Okay. And get wet in the process. All so right. we will be saying, we miss we. We, we, miss, we, we, miss we miss you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Happy Christmas, and we'll speak to you next year. Au revoir.